It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Dallas Cowboys have two rising stars in their secondary. Who are they and how much will they impact the defense for the rest of the season? All that and more this episode of Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. And use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match worth up to $100. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Uh, Landon, we've got a lot to talk about today. We got yeah. done watching the All-22 notes. Uh, the Cowboys opponent in Week 2 just lost their starting quarterback. We'll get to him yep. later in the week. But I want to start on defense with a couple of players that aren't named Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Trayvon Diggs and Stefan Gilmore. Like at some of the players that maybe everybody else doesn't know, we were talking pre-show Marquise Bell is a, he's going to be a problem for def- or for yeah. offenses moving forward. Yeah. And, and, and I think that he's a star you know, really kind of showing you that, you know, he has, uh, you know, the, the ability, like, look, we, uh, we were all expecting it for a, a situation where, uh, you know, he was going to be coming in and, and taking snaps. And, and, you know, we know that he was told that he was basically moving to linebacker. Um, I don't know that anybody could have anticipated the kind of performance we saw on Sunday from him. Like, it was incredible. He was everywhere. He, he was, I think he led the team with tackles, if I'm not mistaken. He certainly I didn't expect him to stops. play over Damone Clark. Like, yeah. I thought it was like, okay, it's just a third player that's going to rotate in. But I don't want to say that he's beat out Damone Clark, but it's clearly a rotation. He played better than Damone Clark. I mean, just in this game, at least. Uh, I just could not get over how much I saw Jeremiah Wusukoromoa in him. You know, like yeah, it, he's Browns that yep. under 210-pound linebacker who's got decent height, who's just so athletic and fast and, and, and agile that he's able to duck under blocks, under able to get around guys. Uh, he's making plays in the middle of the defense. Like he's not like – it's not like a situation where – he, he, I mean, he is. He is making plays on the edge. You saw him uh, make a huge third down stop uh, 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 and, on uh, Jones when he was trying to run. You saw him, you know, making plays on the outside. But then, uh, on top of that, there, there's runs in the middle of the defense that he's ducking around blocks and making tackles for loss. Um, you know, it's the kind of stuff you're seeing him do is just not the kind of things that you see like uh, a, a guy who's kind of new to the position doing. Like this. Usually what we see when we see guys like this who are undersized linebackers, they're incredibly instinctual. They've been playing linebacker for a long time. They've learned to play on the second level with their size after years and years of doing it for so long. Bell picked this up like he had been doing this for years. And I guess in some ways he has as a safety, but 
his ability to just work around blockers, to get to the ball carrier, to hit violently, uh, it was incredibly impre- uh, impressive. I don't know that I've seen a performance like that before, where where you know he has a team full of all stars and he's yeah. outrunning everybody in the football and making tackles. It was it was incredible. No, I think it is very much going to depend on the opponent for which linebackers the Cowboys have in the game because. For instance, I kind of think next week against the Jets, you'll see more of Damone Clark in the game. And I could be wrong, just, yeah. but I think because the Jets are going to want to run the ball so much, um, maybe adding a maybe. little bit more size so you can take on some guards and tight ends if you need to. But I think the Cowboys are going to be committed to just using three, four, five safeties at a time. And I, I'm not exaggerating. On the, on the first snap of the second drive, the Cowboys had four safeties on the field. It was Malik Hooker as a free safety, Wanya Thomas, who we're going to get to in a second, as a slot, J. Ron Curse in the box, and then Marquise Bell playing linebacker. And when Donovan Wilson comes back, he's going to find a way to be on the field yeah. for 75% of the snaps. So like the, Dan Quinn is in his bag trying to find ways to get as many safeties on the field as possible. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, that's a great segue to talk about Wanya. I mean, listen uh, – that, there was a ton talked about it. The plays that he made were obvious as far as the blocked kick and the uh, third down stop and the deflection. tackle for loss and a pass deflection. I mean, he was basically all over the place in every aspect of, of, uh, of the game. I just, I, I mean, I can't remember a, a, a pair of young, rook, rook, not rookies, but like, you know, first time starting safeties starting in a game together that have had that had such a mutual impact on a again on a defense that's filled with superstars like it's it, they for them to kind of come out there and then make impactful plays like multiple times not just like one or two plays like like I said Bell was probably the most active defender on yeah. the field that wasn't named Micah Parsons uh, on Sunday so uh, it was just really incredibly impressive and it just shows you the talent and the depth that this team has and and. Look, I'll make this statement now, and I'm sure it's going to, you know, I'm going to get blasted for it, but this is the most talented team defense I've ever seen yeah. in my lifetime. Doesn't mean it's going to be the best. But no, it's the most it doesn't mean it's going to be the best, but but it is the most talented team, yeah. top to bottom, that I've seen, period, the Cowboys uniform since I've been alive. The Cowboys had five safeties that played 25 or more snaps on Sunday. That is wild to me. And that, that doesn't include your highest paid safety, Donovan Wilson, who yeah. I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. It's like I, I almost feel like the Cowboys should give him another week, like give him a full week of practice before putting him back on the field just to make sure that he's 100% healthy. But if you're Donovan Wilson, you've got to see what Juanita Thomas and Marquise Bell are doing and be like, you know what, I got to get out there. Because if I don't get out there soon – it's not that I'm gonna really quick. I, I, I'm gonna lose snaps, right? Like yeah. just because these are so, such good players, I just I can't get over the Cowboy safety room compared to the last 15 years when it's like <laughs> Gerald Sensabaugh might be an average safety for the Cowboys. We finally got an average safety, you know. Getting excited for Pat Watkins to come off the injured reserve. Uh, or Barry you know, Church like, had a hundred tackles, you know. Like yeah, th- those guys were all fine, but you've got five of those guys that are better right now, which is absolutely wild. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's crazy is that you've got five guys that are, you know, that would start in almost any era of Dallas Cowboys defense in the last 20 years. So uh, yeah, I mean, the the depth there is just simply incredible. And I, obviously we saw it on display uh, last night and and the depth does not just uh, uh, it's not just in the safety room. 
the defensive line group is just absolutely ridiculous. And uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about yeah, that here in a bit. That's a good segue. I want to talk about the, the, the defensive line. Not going to spend as much time on Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence because you guys already know those guys. We've talked about them at length. But I want to focus in on some of the interior pass rushers next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is so easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props to futures bets and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. We want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Landon, let's continue to talk about the defense. Let's talk about the Cowboys' first-round pick, Mozzie Smith, who, again, it's only one game, but I think this is clearly the best game that he's played so far. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, the trajectory continues, right? With with where we were from the preseason, uh, he's playing better than he was uh, in the preseason. In the preseason, he was playing better than he was in the spring. And that's what we need to see, right? We need to see... Uh, a trajectory of positive play. I thought this was a very good debut for, for Mozzie Smith. He, he definitely showed you some of the issues that he's continuing to have, right? He's still at times uh, coming too upright, not getting off the ball uh, with, with correct timing. But when he is getting off the ball, he's wrecking the house uh, and he's fighting guys. He's pushing the pocket back. You know, it was noticeable to me when Jonathan Hankins and Mozzie Smith were on the field. Yes. Whether, 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 I mean, they weren't really on the field together very often, but when the either one of those two was on the field, there was a noticeable uptick in where the pocket was being reset uh, uh, in, the ter- in the interior of the New York Giants offensive okay, line. Really quickly, before yeah. we move off that, the Cowboys opened up this game with Chauncey Golston and Osa, who we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. And you and I both had the same conclusion. Like, I understand why they wanted to have Osa and Golston on the field. It just gave them more of a pass rush. But the reason why the Giants were able to run the ball in the first drive of the game is because you really need to pair at least one of those guys with a Hankins or a Mozzie Smith because it's just too light on the interior defensive line. Yeah, it's tough when they're in a neutral game, when, when the offense that they're facing is in a neutral game script, putting both of those guys out there, it's just too much emphasis on trying to get up the field. And and and, and I, I think Osa is obviously much better than, than Golson at this point at kind of fighting back through and making tackles. But Golson is just not someone who is 
going to be good right now at taking on double teams. If which is fine. That happens, like, there's times to play those guys, but just not yeah. early in well, games together. Yeah. Well, because let me let me go ahead and take the opportunity right now while we're here to to talk about Golson's pass rush because it was incredible. Like like when he got the opportunity to just get like let it go and get up field and go after the passer, he was wrecking shop and like he was using his length really well. He was destroying guards. So uh, there is reasons to put Golson on the field, but I think for now, still we should be a little careful about how who we're pairing him out there with, uh, uh, especially in neutral game scripts. But uh, going back to Mozzie and, 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 and Hankins, you know, watching them kind of throw bodies around, taking on double teams, muddying up the middle of that defense, yep. that's really what was was positive. You saw and, – and again, the fact that we were able to talk about Ma Bell making plays and, 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 and uh, Leighton Vander Esch making plays, like that. that's an indication that the defense tackles are doing their jobs and these – you know, 205 pounds soaking wet linebackers that we've got playing are able to kind of run free and make the tackles they need to make. So uh, I thought that that was all very positive. There's definitely room to grow uh, for Mozzie specifically. Um, and and then we got to talk about, we got to talk about Osa. Dinkin yeah, let's Duo, do that right who, now because, I mean, Osa, we're in year three. He's officially made the leap. Officially, I would say outside of Micah Parsons, Oso Digizu was the best player on that field last night, uh, on Sunday night. I, I, Gil, Gilly has a has an argument to make. I think yeah, he played really well. Good. So did Diggs. Diggs forced uh, two turnovers. Yeah, I, interceptions. I I thought Osa like they have figured out exactly how to use Osa in, in the best way because here was the here's the the dilemma that we came into the season with right Oso Digizu is one of your best pass rushers one of your best players on your defense he's ascending he's getting better and better and as you're watching that in the off season you're Dan Quinn and you're going well, look I've got all these defensive ends that I want to play at defensive tackle as well at three technique rushing the B gap how am I going to do that and get these guys opportunities to rush the B gap while still getting Osa Digizua all the snaps that I want to do it. And the way you do it is you play him everywhere. He, he You saw Osa put, taking snaps as a zero, as a one. I saw him taking snaps as a seven on, on I think <laughs> it was a, on his first sack, where he loops back around and, and him and Parsons are doing like a DE twist. Yep. He is so explosive and so strong and so bendy now. Like it, it's he's put all of those elements that we talked about when he got drafted together, the, the, the low center of gravity, the flexibility and low center of gravity that comes from his weightlifting background, right? The explosiveness that, that was just kind of untapped uh, uh, coming out of UCLA. And then finally the, the power that he's added to his body, he's become this really incredibly difficult uh, uh, defensive lineman to block on the move. And once he gets going, uh, it's 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 hard to kind of stop and change directions with him because he gets so low on the ground and he can do so with such power that he just bowls through guards and tackles that are trying to get him. Pairing him with with Pollard, I mean with Pollard with uh, with Parsons. Uh, Parsons sorry, Parsons. And, and and like working them off of each other, even when they were kind of when you saw Parsons lining up, kind of uh, peppering the A gap, and and, and you had Osa at the B gap. Just the threat of having those two guys so quick off the ball, so quick uh, uh, horizontally too, uh, it, it's 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 really a, a nightmare for centers and guards who are trying to just keep track of everything else that's going. And and it's so clear that Osa has taken a step uh, uh, from where he was last year. And and I I think he's going to push to be one of the best defensive tackles in football this season. I I, I think he's in that echelon of maybe yep. second-tier defensive tackles in, across the NFL. No, I'm not saying he's a better player than Diggs or Demarcus Lawrence or Stephon Gilmore, but he might be the second most important 
defensive player that the Cowboys have because they just don't have anybody else inside that can do everything that he can do. They don't have anybody that has that kind of length and power. He's going to be just a really vital piece to this defense going forward because you can do so many different things yeah. with him, as you just mentioned. So uh, I want to just really quickly, Mozzie and Hankins, I think the Cowboys are just going to have to figure out ways to keep those guys fresh and find ways to pair them with, uh, you know, Osa. But overall, I, I actually thought Hankins looked really good in this game, despite we didn't see him at all in the preseason. He looked fresh. He looked, he looked yeah. like a guy that can give you 22 really good snaps a game. I thought both of them honestly looked looked very look what what you're expecting what you wanted you got about 20 snaps out of each of them and I think that for the most part they were positive snaps for both of them uh, uh, more than negative snaps you saw a little bit of Hankins pushing guys in the backfield yeah. actually making plays and that sort of thing I think you're hoping by the end of the year that Mozzie can get up to like the 28 to 30 range right and keep Hankins at 20 but I think 20 and 20 right now is ideal. Absolutely. And and you throw in a couple of uh, snaps. They they threw Gallimore in there for, for a couple of snaps to relieve them. You know, it's still Gallimore. You know, it's yeah. it, it wasn't much of a change. So, But still, I, I, to get some relief in there, I thought overall the defensive tackle group uh, played pretty well. Yeah, I thought they did really well. Um, anybody else from the defense that we should mention before we head over to the offense? I, I mean, Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, I know we, we, we didn't want to linger too long on defensive ends because everybody's talking about him, but Dorrance Armstrong was absolutely incredible. He looks like – I noticed when they released the uh, rosters uh, a couple weeks back, you know, the official rosters that they released to the media, they had Dorrance Armstrong listed at 270. And I was like, what? He was 250 coming out of school. He's 270 now. I'll tell you that much after looking at him. And that's the other thing, too. We didn't get to see very much of him in the tra- oh. in training camp. So, so to kind of see him now, like he looks 270, man. He's and he's playing with power, uh, but he still is able to run underneath the table. You saw him against uh, uh, Evan Neal, uh, b- dipping underneath the table and, and making that sack on on Jones. So, uh, Dorrance Armstrong is another guy who I don't know how he keeps making steps. Probably because he's only like you know 17 years old still, despite being in the league for six years. But Dorrance Armstrong uh, looks bigger, stronger, while still kind of maintaining that level of flexibility. Yeah, He's a guy to look out for. I mean, not that he wouldn't be already, but, I mean, he may have taken a step from where he was even last year. Yeah, and he's your third defensive end. I thought Dante Fowler played really well. Fowler yep. was close to having a few sacks, kind of slipped at some of the – like the, the the top of the arc. Sam Williams still shows a lot of power. Uh, they're just loaded at defensive end. And even somebody like Junior Fajoko, a fourth-round pick this, this week, was inactive. Like – that's how deep you are on the defensive line is you can't even get a guy like Fahoku or Gallimore really any snaps at all. Yeah. It's champagne problems, baby. Yeah. At our yeah. defensive line. You're going to need absolutely them, no way around it. Yeah. But that's absolutely. the thing is you're, you're going to need these guys as the year goes on because of injuries. And we saw this last year, like if Demarcus Lawrence goes down, Dorm Armstrong is ready to handle a bigger workload. I think Sam Williams is ready to take on that challenge as well. So, yeah. so far so good from the Cowboys defense. Let's flip over to the offense which uh, had some interesting players uh, on the field, including your guy, Hunter Lipke, who I want to talk about a little bit. I want to talk about Chuma Udoga. We will get to them next. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned DFS platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play, play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of going up against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, all you have to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. 
It's so much fun. It's so easy to play. I love testing my skills on prize picks in the football season. To me, it's the most fun way to play DFS. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few easy uh, taps. Plus, there's quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and my favorite part, so many different selections of players and stats. So you can go find any player really you want, pick their stats, pick more than, less than, so easy to do. Right now, all you need to do is go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Landon, let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys offense from week one. We we didn't get to see them a ton because you yep. had one possession taken away because of a blocked field goal for a touchdown. You had another one taken away because of a uh, interception for a touchdown. So there was just limited drives. But for the most part, I thought the offense did exactly what they were supposed to do. Long drives, don't turn the ball over, score points. Absolutely. And and I think that's it, right? Like, you know, I think the the reason the numbers aren't as impressive is a volume issue, right? More than anything. But look, I I think the thing that I, like the high, the, the high level note that I came out of you know, watching the Cowboys offense was that execution was extremely high. Outside of a few drops. Let's, and let's, let's look at, let's look at what we're talking about, right? Like this is a situation. I mean, again, context is key here, right? Going into week one, the Cowboys offense starting offense had not played any preseason together. None. So, so there was already a concern about how crisp the team was going to look going into this. You add in the fact that they're playing on the road, they're playing in the rain, and, and considering all those facts, the Cowboys were able to have multiple long-scoring drives. They didn't turn the ball over, despite the fact that the other team was turning the ball over at a crazy rate, which, I mean, part of that was the Cowboys' defense, but part of it was the, the condition of the ball and the field and everything else, right? They, they basically were playing in on-and-off torrential downpours, which makes – I think it makes it even more difficult because suddenly the grip of the ball is changing in got, the got, middle of the game. And you got guys slipping all over. We even see the Lamb slipped on one of his you know longer plays. Like, it's just – it's really hard. So all that considered, look at how – how crisp this offense was. I mean, it didn't, yeah. it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, versus what the expectation was an offense that hadn't played together all preseason an offense that was playing in a, with a waterlogged football at, at different points. I thought that the execution on that sense, as far as getting set up, snapping the football without penalties, I think they had one pre-snap penalty the entire game or something yeah. like that. Uh, Terrence Steele's false start. Uh, I thought that was incredibly impressive. And that was noteworthy. Because that's certainly not been the mo of this offense for the last several years, right? It's they struggled to get the to kind of get in sync early on. They struggled to execute uh, uh, on a clean level uh, in, in games, especially early in the season. 
so I, I think that that was a very positive sign that I just wanted to bring up up front. Uh, um, I, just I, really quickly, I say the receivers, we didn't learn a lot because the you know, Giants defensive backs were not very good in this game and because of all the things you mentioned. So let's focus on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Tyron Smith did not allow a pressure on Kayvon Thibodeau. He's back. That's yeah. There we go. That's all we need and, to say there. And, and he looked incredible too. Like not even just beyond that. Like I saw another play where he had this reach block on Leonard Williams, where Leonard's playing the three. He gets across his face, turns him around, completely sheds him off of the back. I mean, it was it's old Tyron Smith is what we're seeing, and, and he's healthy for well, the first time in a long time. He's healthy. healthy he's, he's banged up he still. Is, like he has right? an ankle injury yeah. that he played through, and he's still. I mean, he was great. He looked fine though. He, looked Chuma he did come out. He did come out of the game, and 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 you know was out for a couple of snaps. And we. Saw I think he, I think his shoe came off. I think that's what it was too. Um, Chuma Doga, I thought looked good. For again, let's put it in the comparison of of what it's the not Tyler Smith, right? He's not Tyler Smith, but he did, certainly didn't get you killed against one of the best de- defensive interiors uh, that you're going to face this year. Yep. Um, and and uh, there were definitely times he got beat bad, uh, but he's also a backup left guard going against an all pro defensive tackle at times. So uh, I thought that he, you know, in the run game, he was useful. He was he has a couple different down blocks where he collapsed his side of the ball. Yeah, he was he was effective as a puller. Uh, he came around the end on a couple of, uh, of of counters and power plays where he hit his target and he he did his job. I thought he didn't get you killed, and I feel seventy five percent better if if we have to have Adoga play guard again in, yeah. in another game down the street. And just to be clear, of the five offensive linemen on the field, I think it was pretty easy to say that he was the oh, worst. However, he wasn't so bad that you had to change your game plan or that he wrecked your offense or anything like that. And I I have the exact same feelings like. If the Cowboys have to go a three-game stretch with Chuma Doga to play left guard because Tyler Smith rolled his ankle or whatever, it's not great. But I certainly don't think it's going to completely change their offense or anything like that. Now, it's we got the answer that we yeah. needed, right? That's that's been the thing is we just haven't known like how it was going to look with the backup offensive line because we just didn't know who it was going to be yeah. and, and and how they were going to play. I think we got a, a positive response from Ch- Chuma sure. Doga. Let's talk about the right side of this. Yeah, offense. because those because guys were mauled. That running to the right has returned to being the bread and butter of this offense. The Cowboys uh, attempted 16 carries on the right side of the offensive line for 72 yards. That's 4.5 yards per carry. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it just seemed like Steele and Martin like picked up where they left off last season. Except now, I would add that you're getting seemingly, at least so far, much better blocking help from the tight ends and the C-gaps, which is something that was a point of emphasis for the Cowboys this offseason. Mike McCarthy's talked about it. But uh, you, you started to see guys on the edge executing their block at a, at a lot higher rate. We'll get Let's get back to the offensive line, but I just wanted to throw that out. because well, no, We should ends- talk about those tight ends because they did, we, and we talked about this on yesterday's show. They, they did not – they were not great as receivers. They had several drops, including a touchdown drop for Pen- Peyton Hendershot had. But they're just, it's a better blocking group than they had last year for a couple of different reasons, right? Like Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson are in year two. You're just naturally going to get better as a blocker in year two. And Luke Schoonmaker is a downgrade right now as a receiver from Dalton Schultz, but I already think he's an upgrade as a blocker. Oh yeah, absolutely. Scoobaker, if he was on this team last year, would have as a rookie would have been the best blocker, yeah. blocking tight end on the team, uh, and he probably would have been if, if Ferguson hadn't upgraded so much this offseason there. And Ferguson looked really good as a blocker throughout this game. You saw him a lot 
mostly kind of doing a lot of split action across the formation, which, if you remember, has been a big problem for Dalton Schultz. I can't even tell you how many times we've seen Schultz coming across the formation on the zone run and just getting absolutely brutalized by defensive ends once he arrives there. That didn't happen with Ferguson. He's sealing off his guys. He's making his block. That 25-yard run to the outside was basically set up by all three of your tight ends. They fit their blocks perfectly. Yeah. You saw Scootmaker down block. You saw hitter shot get up to the second level. Ferguson crumbing across the formation to, to get the kick out block to seal on the outside. And then you see that classic Pollard slalom between defenders, zigzag motion to get out and break free. Uh, it was beautiful. And, 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 and I think you know, just to kind of see all of that fitting together so early – uh, uh, is really, really a positive sign. And, and I'll just add in this one thing. Thank goodness Terrence Steele was able to come back as early as he was uh, from his ACL, MCL, PCL, mm-hmm. every other CL injury that he had last year, uh, and, and, and have a whole training camp because this offensive line looks back in sync. You're not having to, like, you know, kind of Start work from their bro- way yeah. into it. Yep. Zach Martin and Terrence Steele look like peas and carrots like they always have been for years, uh, and, it's, and it's just fantastic to see. Uh, really quick on the running backs. I know some people were wondering about Tony Pollard. I, look, I thought he looked fine, especially considering the field conditions. It was so wet. He's going to get better and better the more he plays. Not worried about him at all. No. He looked good. Look, yeah. that, 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 that touchdown he scored where they were running the, when the unbalanced run and they stretched it out like – that was not an easy thing for him to make a dead stop, burst back up, and then burst back another direction. Like that's 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 elusiveness. That's that's yeah. what you're looking for. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that there it was wet, so I think a lot of people were kind of it was wet struggling yeah. to run at different points. But I thought Pollard looks like Pollard to me. And I and I just want to can I just add, note real quick the running back usage overall. I love I love the way I, that they I, distributed. I they threw in Turpin, gave him some touches. I, I'd love to give to see Vaughn get a couple more touches, but. I think it was exactly how we've called yep. for it, right? That that you actually got Dowdle as running back two, and then you distribute all the rest of the carries yep. to a variety of other guys. Well, and that's just what I was going to say before we go is I watched the Eagle-Patriots game on Sunday afternoon, and then I watched the Cowboy game watching Rico Dowdle run, and it's pretty clear. And I'm, again, I'm not saying this just to say it, but it's pretty clear to me the Cowboys upgraded at that number two running back spot from what they had last year. There's just so much more explosion that they just were lacking last year when Pollard wasn't in the game. Yeah, and and, and Dowdle as uh, where he is in his career is just a more explosive option than than uh, Zeke Elliott, right? Yeah. Like there's other elements that Zeke uh, gives you, but that's but as far as explosive run game, the Cowboys running back room is so much more explosive than it was last year. Yep. Now the question is can they execute the other wide variety of tasks that are going to be asked for them? Uh, throughout the season and and, and that's what we're going to see we, we've got a young group uh but there's tons of upside there last thing before we go hunter lipke not just a running back who can block a little bit lined up a lot as a fullback in this game i've got to imagine his usage is going to grow grow as the season goes on yeah seeing him go out there and dig a linebacker out not just kind of shield him off but actually full-on give him a face full of helmet uh that was impressive that yep. was what we wanted to see out of a guy playing fullback uh you also saw him going out into the flats and everything uh, Lipke is going to be a, 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 yeah. a part of this offense, I think. All right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we're going to answer your Twitter questions. So make sure you, you send them in to me at Marcus underscore Mosher. Go follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. We are free and available on all platforms. Go check us out on YouTube, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 